Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio, and welcome to Pep Talks with Trio. Trio is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition, from starting a family to retiring, and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with Trio, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex, and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with Elise Clement, a certified life coach dedicated to women's well-being and personal evolution through motherhood. We're going to be discussing matricence and the transition from professional to mother to working mother. Elise, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Rebecca. It's great to be here. Firstly, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Mm. So I am a certified life coach and I also specialize in matrescence. I support um, mothers' well-being, mental, emotional um, well-being through their mothering years. Um, so that encompasses preconception, pregnancy, and um, motherhood. And I use a combination of coaching, somatic therapy, mindfulness tools to help them feel more connected to themselves in this time of their life. I also, um, you know, beyond doing one-on-one work with women, I also facilitate group workshops, women's circles, um, as it is a beautiful and wonderful way to feel connected to, you know, the person who have, we, we are becoming <laughs> in this phase um, of, the, of our life. Well, it's certainly a huge transition, having been through it myself, only the once. Um, I'm going to ask you, firstly, what is matricence? Because it's probably a terminology that I certainly wasn't familiar with when I became a mother. Um, And I'm sure there's listeners that are thinking exactly the same thing. Yes. So matricence is the study of the transformation that women go through as they navigate their mothering years. And the study started back in the 70s with uh, a woman called Dana Raphael, who's an anthropologist. At the time, she also was studying um, how mother were, mothers were supported um, as they were birthing and then as they were you know, transitioning into this new role. She's the one who gave us the term doula, which ended up being far more known than matrescence in the following years. But matrescence, the study of matrescence really got revived when um, a clinical psychologist in the US called Dr. Aurelie Athen started the research again around this phase of life. And she um, compared it to adolescence. So the same way a child transitions into adulthood by you know, going through a period of time where lots is changing, both physically, mentally, and and all other ways, women also go through a process or a phase of transition. And I think what's really important to highlight with matrescence is that it is a process. So becoming a mother is not an event that takes place when you give birth to your baby. It is a process of transformation that unfolds over your mothering years. And every time you have a child, it evolves and brings additional layers <laughs> to the new person you're becoming. So uh, why it's important to understand that is because um, it's, a, it's a shift and change in so many different areas of our life. We may feel different about our work. We may differ, feel different about our friends, our 
uh, partners <laughs> um, about so many things. And when we don't know or we don't have language or words to put on this experience, um, we can feel quite isolated in our in our you know lives, or we can feel quite isolated in our experiences. So understanding that there's a map, that matrescence is the map, <laughs> um, allows us to feel to to normalize what we're going through and to bring a bit more acceptance to the process as well. Yeah. Which is important, isn't it? That normalization and open conversations around these changes. And does matrescence cover from conception? through or is it just from birth onwards yeah so preconception is a big one um you know conception and the really i mean it's a very unique and personal experience so women may find that they feel the shift and the change in themselves well before they you know um when they prepare to conceive or when they're going through the conception phase which was the case for me because it took a few years um Mm -hmm. And I already started feeling that push and pull and that transformation and that, you know, feeling like I was different in a way, but not really understanding what was going on. So it's a unique experience. And some women will have big um, shifts and and transformations in that first year of becoming a mother. For others, it might be later on when their child goes through toddlerhood or as they leave the nest, because, (laughs) you know, that's also a big, big phase of transition. So the, the understanding is that it's still being researched and studied, but yeah. that there are definitely um, massive um, emotional, spiritual, mental, even economic and cultural um, transformation and changes for women as they navigate this experience for themselves. Yeah. yeah. It, that's, this is fascinating. So in terms of the work that you do and the options available, what's how can women be supported through mm-hmm this clearly quite phenomenal transformation that um, goes on, which is a really interesting way of looking at it because I think we typically just go, we just have a baby, you know, but then when you're going through that, it's like, you know, my mind has gone, my body's changed, relationships change, your desires and needs and what's important changes. And then this unwavering love that comes up is, you know, it's, it is, in on reflection it's it's hugely challenging so how you know how can you how can women be supported through those phases of thinking of mindset I'm going to you know I want to have a baby all the way through to I guess working parenthood and beyond Mm. yeah that's the golden question I think the key word though is support you said it right and support is something that often is not um available to us or we're not actively looking for it because we think that we should know Mm. so I think that's the the key also here is to remember that um there are a lot of assumptions around um you know this phase of transition for women that they should know that they should go through it really like a breeze because they're women after all right so they should know that how to be a great mother and um and it is not the case so Getting the support means that you are surrounding yourself with people you can trust and who are going to help you to really understand yourself and um, bring kindness and compassion to a, a very, what can be, and again here I'm generalizing, but what can be for a lot of women, challenging mm-hmm. and very um 
disorienting is another word. And here I am using the words that I felt were the ones <laughs> that describe my, my own experience going through that. Um, and often there's an inner split within us because we feel like we want to go back to the person we were before, but we, you know, have new desires, as you described, and new priorities and new values that we also want to honor. So having the support to understand ourselves and support can come in many different forms. It can be people we trust or friends or partners or, you know, parents, if, if we have, um, if we are lucky to have them around and for them to be able to support in that, in that way. Or it can be um, hired help. So it can be a therapist or a coach who is educated in that space and who knows that um, there are things that you may need to look at differently now. Or there are beliefs and expectations about yourself that you may need to reconsider. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, the, the women I work with who are in that transition of going back to work after maternity leave, I also want to um, make a point here. Um, ha have these huge expectations of themselves. So, and that is a very good starting point when we are in this phase of, of change to think, okay, why... What what beliefs or assumptions have I internalized about what it means to be a mother and a successful woman in this particular culture that we've been, you know, raised in? Um, and do I still want to live by this? Is it going to serve me moving forward if I'm trying to be everyone or everything for everyone? If I am trying to, you know, um, there is a beautiful quote from, I think her name was, um, Amy Westervelt or something like that, who says, you know, women are expected to work as if they didn't have kids and raise their kids as if they didn't work. So yeah. can we just pause for a moment and um, maybe list all of these things we may have internalized about what a good mother is and does and try to um, challenge some of these um, expectations. Yeah. Good point. We do. We are often our own worst enemy in terms of the expectations we put on ourselves. But I don't think it helps that society makes you feel that other people are doing it. So why aren't you? You yeah. know, other people appear to make it look really, really easy. So you know, why why can't you? Um, and I, it's you know, I had a conversation with somebody the other day. It's like whatever your beliefs are, you're right. And you're wrong because, you know, <laughs> whatever you do, you can find somebody that says, yeah, that's the right thing to do. Or, you know, no, you're, you know, you're making a rod for your own back. This is the right thing to do. Uh -huh. So there is um, also so much information that sort of dictate what we should and shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. I think what's beautiful about what you're saying is just come back into ourselves and ask ourselves that question is what, you know, what's right for me and what feels right for me. Um could you talk us through some of the um, sort of challenges and experience you've seen working with your clients and, um, you know, what outcomes, um, you know, how, what problems do you solve? You know, what, what, what things can women think about in terms of solutions? Yeah. So one that comes to mind straight away is this, um, the confidence issue. Mm -hmm. And something that is very apparent um, 
in the work that I do with women, but also in my own experience, what was very apparent when I came back to work after maternity leave was that I had been in this space for such a long time before having my, my daughter of feeling quite in control of my work. I had been, you know, I had reached a level because also we had kids later in our life now. Mm. I had reached a level where I was really mastering my work and I felt very comfortable and knowledgeable and, you know, great. And then I went into this space of mothering where I felt absolutely out of control. I had no idea what I was doing. I was, you know, yeah, not sure. And um, I felt like I was out of my depth a little bit. And it's really destabilizing uh, for a lot of women because they come from this space of being, being very, um, very in charge and feeling very responsible and, and to a place where they do not anymore. So when it comes back to, you know, returning to work, where you're, you're bringing that into, you're bringing that, that very new experience of being a newborn mum yeah. into this space of work and you're like oh am I going to be able to do this again because you know this is how I felt for the last few months and now I'm going back to work and I feel like I've forgotten everything about it and I'm going to be found out <laughs> um, you know imposter syndrome and all of these things that um is talked about and the thing often that happens is that they try harder because that's what they've learned again that's what they've internalized that you know if they try harder it should be working somehow and this is where burnout comes into play because you can't do this anymore with the new responsibilities or the new um you know um yeah the the, the new things that are happening for you in your life the new priorities i should say mm. um so it's about resetting again like we, we talked about expectations before but i'm gonna say it it's really hard to allow yourself to feel different about work when you go back into a workplace as well <laughs> that is expecting you to be the same person yeah. you were before. And that's hard, isn't it? Their expectations are that you're going to come back and continue to work the same hours and deliver yeah. in the same way as pre-motherhood, which may be possible longer term, but there is a transition period. Exactly. And and it's really hard in, the, in that environment where people are rolling in their eyes because you're leaving early or because they are assuming that you are not as committed as you were before. It's really hard to feel, to feel confident. So first of all, it's being aware of that, that, you know, we have these external uh, pressures and we have we, we are in a, in a society that hasn't caught up yet with um, the needs of parents, unfortunately, when we look at work. So awareness first, that this is the case and it, does not, it doesn't feel comfortable, but then uh, a willingness to... Um, have conversations, important conversations at work. So it may be with a boss, it may be with a team, it may be with colleagues about, um, you know, the transition we are going through and perhaps the new strength that we bring. So mm -hmm. I always love working uh, with women on that, is reframing. They are not a liability when they come back to work. They're actually an asset because they have new strength they're bringing they may not be aware of them but they have this ability to be resilient to be laser focused because there's yeah. no time for procrastination anymore <laughs> they may actually bring a new empathy to like nurturing a beautiful team culture um they might be bringing more um, creativity to their work in one way or another so 
there are many other strengths, but it's about helping them redefine that for themselves, what new strength are they bringing, having the, the conversations with whoever they need to have the conversations with. Um, and um, about, yes, the, the, you know, this new um, person they are at work. That doesn't mean they're not committed anymore. They just, they have different needs and they have different things that they're bringing. And um, also what I was going to say is um, not only in the workplace, but having those conversations at home. Mm. Yeah. So often what I see is that the big challenge is that we fall into a bit of a gendered, gendered roles. Like, again, this is, you know, I'm, I'm talking about heterosexual relationships here, but uh, I think, you know, whoever, however that looks like for you, there is a, a sense that if you are the birthing parent, <laughs> you need to take everything. Um, it, it's up to you, right? Yeah. Everything is your responsibility. Well, Again, it doesn't think, help that we call mothers primary carers because that right. automatically sort of defaults that they're primary and, a, and the oh. father or second parent is secondary. And that's just not the case. Both parents are prime carers to the child. So even that terminology does a disservice to both parents. One, it pushes one to take a lead role and it also pushes the other back into a a non-lead role. Whereas really we need to have, um, you know, an equitable or equal perception of the role of parents at home. Absolutely. I mean, the language that we use is is not helping us at the moment, primary and secondary carer. And I think also what it means is that when we fall into these gender roles unconsciously most of the time, because we have, you know, it's maybe what we've seen being brought up in a very um, gendered society. Yeah. Yeah. And society is still pushing us into that for the most part, into those roles. Because even though, you know, maybe that has changed a little bit and we have the conversations before we have children around, oh, yes, we're going to be so equal and so... um, yeah, but, I mean, fathers, uh, I think they're the ones, you know, stay-at-home dads, 4% still. Mm-hmm. And this number hasn't changed since the 90s. So, uh, you know, this is like so- certain things we have to be really aware of so we can have the conversations. Again, if I go back to what can help, we can have the conversations at home around what do we want our partnership to look like with our partner, right? And it may not be that everything's equal and it's 50-50, but at least there is a sense of fairness that we don't need to, you know, carry everything on our shoulders, mm-hmm. that um, we decide what, you know, how we're going to divide the tasks amongst us that maybe we don't feel like we want to be the person who gets the call from daycare. That's mm-hmm. fine. You know, we're not. But here I want to also point to the fact that uh, for I mean, for myself, that was a personal experience, but I see this experience time and again with the women I work with. Because we have lost a bit of control in our mothering often, we, 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 we you know, finding our feet, finding our groove, it's not easy. Um, we tend to take on more responsibility because that means that, okay, I, I can do this. I'm going to prove to everyone that I can do this. And as a result, sometimes we disempower the other members of our household our partners <laughs> so we have to just be mindful of that as well what what responsibility are we playing in this you know there are many different types of situations here 
but are we also um, playing a part in the other the, the other person not having their space to to do things? Are we empowering them to step up and to take responsibility for for the raising our, our children? Um, yeah, it's scary for both, isn't it? You know, we're both. Um, you know, I think there's almost an assumption that mothers know what to do. Um, but actually, you know, the moment you hold your baby for the first time, you know, both parents are learning from that, you know, very first moment. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that, you know, maybe if you're um, the second parent isn't as confident, you know, and but you're mm-hmm. just by biology, we're typically at home from that first moment, you know, with the baby longer. Um, so we're getting we, our learning curve has almost started a bit sooner right. and it's a bit more rapid you know we're getting to the you know we're getting through those learning markers I guess more quickly but it's um, it's a very valid point you know how are we empowering our partners to step up and meet us through that learning process yeah you know what it makes me think of as you were saying that I was like it's a little bit when you for the first time, you learn to delegate at work because mm-hmm. you have team members. <laughs> or when you, you know, you're a business owner and you go from doing everything on your own to having team members come on board. At first, you're like, oh my God, no, I need to do this myself because it's not going to be done as fast as I can do it or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you need to go through this period of discomfort as well in your partnership at home. Yeah. Because um, the long-term benefits you have to think about the long-term benefits and that your child deserves as well to create a very strong connection and bond with their other yeah. parent. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, this is if you are lucky to have a partner, if you're solo parenting, that's a different story, but um, support can be found in, in many different um, ways and forms, mm-hmm. I, I still believe. Um, yeah, so that's that's the, the most, um, I, I completely forgot what was the original question, but I hope it just covered some points here. The, the most typical challenges, um, yes, but I, you know, it's absolutely um, valid around, you know, looking at support, having those conversations at home, but also having those conversations in work. So when you're talking to your clients around, you know, how to have those conversations in work, um, and what can organizations do to help women through this transformation? Mm-hmm. And because you know, we know retention of women, retention is far more beneficial than rehiring. Um, retention of women in particular um is is critical to meet diversity targets. And you know, we should be doing this mm-hmm. because it's the right thing to do. And as you say, a lot of people are having babies later on in their life and, you know, therefore a higher up the career ladder and typically in leadership positions, which makes it even more pertinent that we, the organisations do what they can to retain women in leadership positions so that the younger generation can see that this is possible. There is a future here for me within this organization. You know, you you can't be what you can't see in all of all of those wonderful mm-hmm. things. You know, so what do you see organizations doing or what can they do um, to support women through this evolution and this transition, this transformation back into work? Well, education, so that, you know, there is some sort of understanding of what this phase of life really 
ease for a woman, the, the, the transition that takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, um, you know, for example, facilitate workshops and matrescence and raising awareness about what happens during this transition and how, um, you know, um, how the welcoming back <laughs> of a woman <laughs> um, in an organization can take place so that she feels seen and understood for this massive um, experience that she's just gone through. And one of the thing is also um, based on, on the personal experience is that if there is uh, a desire for um, the woman to come back to work part-time, let's say, which often happens, that the, the discussion is there to support her in that. So responsibilities, objectives, how are they going to be renegotiated potentially so that she can actually be working part-time and is not actually working four days a week, but, you know, or paid four days a week, but working. Working five days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, which is the very um, common experience. Yeah. And um, asking questions. So companies can also ask questions to be curious and interested about the new, maybe the new values that she has now and how this translates into maybe new projects she may, be, may want to be involved in. Maybe a promotion that may have sounded amazing to her six months ago is not really what she wants to do right now, but there are other things she may want to be involved in. There's a big sense of contribution as well that, that comes um, into perspective when we become uh, mothers of like wanting to, you know, sometimes it's like, being really passionate about sustainability and maybe there's something going on at work that you know you may want to get in, involved in or that can be something you do in that transition period i don't know i mean there are so many um options options but the you know the the, the willingness of the company to hear what's changed for her to ask questions and be curious about how she now wants to be involved and not make assumptions about the fact that, oh, she's going to be less committed or she's, you know, not going to work as hard because she's going to need to leave early. That doesn't mean anything about how sharp and focused you can be during the time you're at work. Yes. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? So being curious, being really um, having open conversations, asking questions, um, educating um, there's a, a responsibility for education that needs to happen from the HR department or whoever is going to be um, looking after the, the transition back to work. What else? And um, I suppose the big thing here is for the women returning to not be put off by having these conversations and yeah. you know speaking up and sort of saying, well, look, this is, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. This is what I'd like to do. These are things I'm interested in. These are, you know, I'm still committed. You know, do I want to be promoted now or, you know, further down the line? Where does my career trajectory, do I see it? Because if an organization can encompass um, and engage people through these transitional periods, they're going to end up with somebody, employees who are incredibly loyal to the organization, um, you know, and will put a lot more effort into, you know, to, to deliver and be productive and effective, albeit in maybe a non-traditional or at least historically non-traditional nine to five role, which is, you know, very much in this hybrid world of work, 
um, we have a lot more options now to be flexible. And I think the one thing that does spring to mind is what you said around are women doing five or six days in four, you know, or five in three, because that actually is great that women have the option of flexibility, but it's not really flexibility no. because they're still doing a full-time role. They're just being paid less for it. Um, on top of having an additional role of mother um, that is, you know, that they're still trying to manage. So recognizing that actually the organization does need to adjust the role and the responsibilities or the volume of work so that it's manageable within the reduced hours, I think it's really important. Otherwise you're just pushing people to burnout and or any of the loyalty that you may have gained by offering flexibility and looking at the other ways that the women can contribute actually gets lost because fundamentally they're they're yeah. just not going to enjoy coming to work because the pressure the role exactly. hasn't been adjusted accordingly and it ends up just being mid service right so you're you're like yeah of course flexibility but then you're not making it achievable for her to yeah come back in that way the other thing i just thought of as well that i um, forgot to mention is that i believe companies also um that there's a gap that's happening because you have a woman who is going on maternity leave. She has no contact most of the time with her workplace in that period of time that she's taken off. Yeah. And then she comes back and all these conversations have to happen when she is, you know, maybe flow, flowing under the, the, everyone's requests and oh, well, anyway, that can be extremely full on. And I think there's benefit also in having a process or thinking about a process mm-hmm. where these conversations can happen before she actually comes back to work not on the first day first week yeah. which is quite, quite overwhelming right so having a process that allows her to feel like she's still in contact that she can have these conversations while she's on maternity leave because things will change may change during this time too absolutely find it feel a certain way and then as it comes closer to her return she may feel another way so being very open to keeping in touch with her is what i'm thinking which is a beautiful segue because that's obviously what trio does with our our journeys you know it's that that is exactly the importance of keeping women connected to the workplace because it maintains their sense of belonging it maintains their connection and their engagement um and things do change we know you know we know from being a professional to becoming a mother I call that falling off a cliff you know <laughs> that, there's that re-identity that you've got to go through there and then when you transition back into the workplace you've got a whole you've got to redefine your identity and you know yourself sense of self again it is hugely challenging but being staying connected to the employer and your colleagues is incredibly beneficial for women because that sense of connection and belonging through what is otherwise a really transformational transitional time and quite can be quite unnerving and unsettling is actually a little bit like the you know the roots remain or some okay. of the roots remain so it is incredibly beneficial mm, that's a beautiful image i love that mm. and the other thing i was going to say um that comes to mind is um, something really important as well is, uh, you know, reassessing your, what's important to you at this time in your life. I mean, it sounds really, yeah, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) like a little bit, you know, um, overused these days, but I think it's, it's really important to ask yourself, okay, what it is, what is it, sorry, that I want to 
uh, that feels really important to me at this point in my life, knowing that it's going to change and evolve. It's not set in stone, but if we allow ourselves to go through phases where we want different things and it's okay to want different things, um, then we can be really honest with ourselves and potentially um, then gather the courage to communicate that to whoever is around us at home, yeah. at work. Um, it, it's okay not to want the same as what you wanted before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, su- it's such a change, but I can see the value of having independent support um, mm. around you as well as the sort of in- internal support networks having that balance um, can be extremely beneficial and and um, yes as you said very important to have this one-on-one deep personalized work mm. and also to have um, to have the ability somehow to sit with other others going yeah. through the same experience because I find that extremely powerful when I facilitate workshops to see how how much support the power of women sharing their experiences and being very honest with each other and learning from each other how to navigate this challenging time can be done like in a workplace um, you know if there are a few women going through um, return to work together or Maybe some parents who have been there before can share their wisdom as well. It's very, very important to try and create those spaces or join them. They exist already. It's like the mother's group, the women's circle. And back in the day, you know, the the village raises the child. So, yeah, that that ability to have a breadth of support and knowing that you're not alone. (laughs) that it's you know it's not only you and what you're going through it's completely normal I think there's so much power in that I think that's what I um, noticed facilitating group um, work is that most of the time it's like oh my god I feel so relieved (laughs) I feel so relieved to have had this conversation and to know that everyone's just facing they may not be facing the same challenges but they're all trying to find their groove and it is it is the theme of that season of our life. Yeah. <laughs> trying to find our feet and trying to find ourselves in the middle of that, the new yeah. person. Yeah. Um, oh, Elise, it's been so good talking to you. It's such an important topic um, and something that so many women go through. So it's absolutely um, necessary to, to talk about. And thank you so much for joining me and talking me through mattresses. It's been incredibly interesting. So thank you. Thank you. It was a great conversation, Rebecca. Thank you so much.